I'm not even sure if sponsoring your own podcast is a thing, but we're going to give it a go for the remainder of this series because She Can, She Did has just launched the UK's first ever benefits programme curated for and by self-employed women in the UK. And so I wanted to use this opportunity to tell you all a little bit about it. The new She Can, She Did Benefits programme provides all self-employed women, female founders and freelancers with access to the health and financial benefits that come hand in hand with a corporate career, like pensions, health insurance, gym memberships, eye care, etc, etc, plus a whole host of additional fashion, beauty, well-being, parenthood and lifestyle incentives too, with over 60 plus brands on board and counting, including the likes of Pure Gym, Hiscox, Penfold and Vision. Express on the more traditional benefits front, to the likes of Esper, Bloom and Wild, Higher Street, to Hello Fresh and Oh Mama on the ultimate rewards front. For just £5.99 per month, you will gain access to a whole host of exclusive benefits and rewards to support both your business and your life, which, let's face it, will become all the more important as we all try and navigate the uncertainty that the coming months present. Plus, all members benefit from weekly online events with industry experts at no extra cost too, along with many, many more perks of the programme. Visit shecanshedid.com for more details if you're interested, or of course, feel free to just click on the link in this episode's show notes. I feel like Cheryl when I say the next bit, but here goes. She can, she did. Your resilience rewarded. everyone and welcome back to the She Can, She Did podcast, aka the podcast that shares the honest realities of what female founders in the UK really push through behind the scenes, warts and all of course, to not just launch but run, grow and sustain their businesses to date. If we haven't met yet, I'm Fee and I'm the founder of She Can, She Did slash the one asking the questions throughout this chat. Now, a few weeks back, I sat down for a chat with the breath of fresh air that is Kay Suffermas, founder of the London-based Terranium Workshop company, that is Leafage, who are on a mission to help all of us connect with nature once again, and importantly, live in the moment. Having once upon a time been told that she was too much of a dreamer to ever be able to run a business successfully, given the fact that Kay now counts the likes of Facebook, Nike, Slack and ASOS as customers, it's safe to say that she's proved whoever said that wrong. This is Kay's story so far. As always, I hope you enjoy it. Let's just dive in at the deep end. We've had a few technical issues, but we're back. We're good. Let's start again, shall we? In your own words, what is Leafage all about? And we'll go from there. Cool. So I help people connect to nature in the city by teaching them to make self-sustained miniature garden. It's really good for our well-being and creativity. We create the perfect opportunity for people to reconnect with themselves and live in the moment. No, that's amazing. I love how succinct it was. I think it's always so amazing when I kind of hear everyone's sort of pitch about what their business is, that kind of quick fire 30 second roundup and you you nail it. We were just saying, obviously, before we hit record about how hard 2020, you know, how hard it is to be in the moment at the moment with so much noise going on, so much 
kind of chaos out there. I just think there's so many different things causing unrest. So I just love, love, love everything about what your business does and what you stand for. But I'm very aware that in the campaign that you did for us, someone once told you that you are too much of a dreamer. And it is a really unique idea. So I'm really interested in what inspired this. Yeah, so I first saw terrariums in Bangkok, Thailand, where I'm from. And I fell in love with it. And that was it. I was I told my friends, I was like, I'm bringing that back to London. And they were like, do you even know how to make it? And I was like, no, but I'm bringing that back to London. So and then it just starts from attending the workshop, making a terrarium. And then I never really pursue it to the end. You know, I kind of like just had that drive. And I was like, yeah, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. And I never really follow through. Not until I lost my father to a heart attack then when I was 27. And that really, it was just so surreal. I didn't even get to speak to him. I last spoke to him like a week before he passed away, being abroad. And I didn't catch up with my dad on a weekly basis. So I felt like that was like a wake up call. So I started grieving and just learning to meditate, stayed in the temple, um, stayed in a retreat and did like, I don't know if you've heard of this, like, you know, the silent, I don't know what they call it, the silent treatment, where you don't speak at all. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah, I have heard about that. Yeah, I don't know what they call it, the silent retreat. So I did that for 10 days. And then I was so drawn to being around in nature, just going off grid. And then, yeah, after a year, I was like, I found my first mentor. And I was like, yep, let's do this. So we gave ourselves one month. And then I launched Leafage to my friends and family. I didn't think it was going to be a business. It was more of like a passion project, just doing something that I wanted to do and didn't really know where it was going to lead to. And now we're here. I know. It's always so funny, isn't it, in hindsight, how things spiral and snowball and gain momentum when they're a good idea. I want to go back a bit. Firstly, I'm really sorry about how you lost your dad. I can only imagine what that must have been like. And I think It's really interesting to hear that taking a year out to grieve like that and really give yourself that time. And I'm wholly like nature to me when people say, what do you do to switch off? What's your unwind? It's getting outside, et cetera, et cetera. Am I right in thinking that was then back in Thailand you were doing all of that? No, in the UK. Really? Oh, wow. This is when I still had a full-time job. So I would just take time off to go on a holiday or like mini breaks. I did take 10 days off work when I did the meditation retreat. And then apart from that, I was just taking time off to go to like Vietnam and Thailand. Oh, yeah. yeah, just kind of like did a bit of hiking by myself. And then I met other people and that was really cool. Yeah. I felt like I had like a gap year, but like not a gap year. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just like a weekend off or like three weeks off kind of thing. But I think like three weeks when you're traveling, so much happens. I remember going away for a month when I was like last year of school for some expedition we did. And God, we fit so much into a month in Thailand and Cambodia. It's, it's crazy, isn't it? So like, yeah, three yeah. weeks in Vietnam, I can totally imagine. So you mentioned that you met a mentor. I'm always interested in these baby steps. So how did that happen? Was that a case if you went out and looked for one or was it a chance encounter? It was Google. Hey. <laughs> Yay, it was meant to be. I literally just, I just type in business workshop. That was it. And then I found the first link and I was like, oh yeah, that's near where I live. So I sign up. I think I sign up two months in advance because I was like, I'm so keen. The workshop is happening in January. It's 
going to be a nice start to a year. So I sign up. I went to the workshop and I did the first business canvas, like the business model. And I, I really clicked with the mentor over there. And she was like, do you know that we offer free help to younger people age 16 to 30? And I was like, no, I didn't. And she was like, yeah, I really love speaking to you. Why don't you sign up and go from there kind of thing? So I did. So I found my first mentor, accidentally found my first mentor. But yeah, it's just from Google. That's absolutely amazing. And you obviously gave yourself a month. So this is a fun bit. What happened in that month? How did you get this thing off the ground? What did you prioritize? Where did you source all the different products? You know, go for it. I started attending, you know, like wholesale markets before that anyway. So I kind of knew roughly pricing of this industry. And then in one month, I was like, okay, so I'll start getting all the names for the social media, the name for the website, bought all of the containers, didn't have a car. So I had to go to Ikea and like get everything in an Uber. (laughs) It was kind of like, okay, social media, containers, plants, tools, and then reach out to my friends and we're just like, hey, do you want to come and do the workshop? And we'll take lots of photos and we'll pretend that it's a real business. But, you know, what's going to be fun is we're going to have lots of Prosecco. Yeah, yeah. And so I got all of my friends together, only 10 of us, including my mentor. It was so much fun. And that was the first time that I had to do the public speaking. And I got really nervous, even though they were all my friends. I think this is a kind of the reality of running these businesses you know people can look at you and say god she's so lucky that looks so much fun like running workshops etc etc and I think the public speaking element is something that people forget about having to stand up and work the room and be a host so how did you I guess conquer that I had no choice I had to run the workshop I just threw myself in there yeah and I, I kind of oh my god I have to tell you this story I don't think I've shared this with anyone like any of my business friends apart from my family But after running Leafish for about six months, I had this opportunity to host a workshop, a corporate event, my first ever corporate event. And I was so excited. It's for this really big client. And I did my first team building activity at Facebook. And I was like, you know what? I've got this. I can do this. This corporate event will be fine. We just launched a new collection, the Sakin and Cacti collection. And I was like, okay, cool. I can do this corporate event. And like I turn up, everything looks amazing. Like the setting, the workshop setting. And when I had to open the class, you know, like when your voice started to shake, <laughs> I had to like power through and I was so disappointed with myself. Yeah. Like I cried for about, I don't know, 10 minutes after I got home and my mom was in town. So I met up with her and I, I just cried for like 10 minutes. And I was like, I worked so hard to be in this position. And I feel like I've just like messed up. And maybe I wasn't that bad, but I think it was just like how I was feeling when I had to speak to these VIP clients and they were all like founders or directors for like big companies. And I just felt so, I didn't feel like I did a good job. Honestly, Kay, I can relate to that so much. Even last night, it was our first online event and I had to obviously host it on Zoom. And I'm just so used to in-person ones. And got my voice wobbled at the first ever mingle back in 2018. I kind of just acknowledged it and you just have to laugh it off. But last night, I would had some tech issues and literally the immediate 10 minutes running up to the event and my opening, my head just wasn't there. And obviously the event itself, the speakers were amazing, but I got off the call and people were messaging like, oh, well done, well done. And I just said to my partner, I was like, oh my God, I've just completely, I messed it up. 
because we put so much pressure on ourselves, right? You know that what's at stake, you want it to go well. Mm. So I can so relate to the wobbly voice thing and the, yeah, just wanting it to go as, as good as it can. But let's go back then. So you get your friends together or come on to kind of the bigger clients and everything, which is incredible. Do you say Facebook? Yeah. I mean, come on, that's amazing. Pretty much as big as it gets, right? In terms of you kind of stage that first event for your friends, get the photos, et cetera, et cetera. How did you go about getting out in the real world? And also, I'm interested, were you still working in London at this time? Yeah. Okay, so there's some income coming in. Uh, Yes. So I have a full-time job then. And with Leafage, it was like, oh, yeah, just a fun project over the weekend. And when I did it with my friends, I think I charged them like £10. I wanted to do it for free. And my mentor was like, no, you're not doing that. You're spending your own money, so at least get something back. But yeah, it just kind of started from there. So after taking lots of photos and sharing on social media, we were approached by this platform called Obby, which is a workshop platform in London. And then I spoke to one of their team and then started listing our workshop on their platform. And then we got our first client booked. I mean, the first two customers who were coming to the workshop along with my friends. And they didn't realize these are all my friends because I actually organized these to practice myself anyway. So I was like, hey, let's just put it live. So I had two customers came through. We still keep in touch. Like I still keep in touch with those guys today. It just all starts from there. I haven't really reached out to people to advertise our workshop, which is great. It's been, I don't know what you call it, inbound. Yeah, well, it's just like word of mouth spreads. And, yeah, yeah, word of mouth. Yeah, recommendations. It's the best kind of marketing, right? I mean, that's just so amazing. And I presume that your friends, did they ever let it slip that they were your friends? Or? No, I thought the customers knew that they were my friends, but apparently they didn't. And I was like, what? But no, everyone had a really great time. And I think by that point, I felt a bit more in control of public speaking. I wouldn't say public speaking, but hosting a workshop. It's not yeah. really a public speaking. It's kind of like opening the class and then hosting a workshop. I felt more confident and yeah, we had a really great time. Oh, that's so amazing. So I'm really interested in what the reality was like for you as the business kind of started gaining a bit of momentum and you've still holding down a full-time job, what that juggle was like, because I hear that a lot from people that want to launch their own businesses and so many of the listeners listening right now want to and when to jump over to focusing on the business is always such a prominent question that keeps coming up so what was that experience like for you and when did you know that you were ready to give leafage more attention yeah when I first started leafage I didn't really know it was going to turn into business and it was more of like a weekend fun thing to do obviously coming up to the second year it was kind of like fun things to do over the weekend every weekend I'm missing out so much fun working a lot but then towards the end of the second year I started applying because I'm on a work visa so I applied for a business visa and then I got granted the visa and that was it V it was like I got granted the visa I now have to do this full time and I think that just forced me to make that jump I was not ready to do leafage full-time even though I wanted to but I, I still had that fear of like oh do I go do I not but then, yeah, within 24 hours after I got granted the visa, I was like, okay, let's go because <laughs> I had no choice. Oh my gosh, wow. 
for anyone listening in terms of that business visa what are the kind of rules then is it a case if you get the business visa you have to commit to running a business full-time in the UK yeah yeah how many years or is it just forever (laughs) I think it's three years but apparently it's quite a hard visa to get and I did not expect to get it and I applied and I got it two months after I applied and when I told my boss back then and she was like you should have told me you applied for this and I was like honestly I didn't think I would get it it was all a surprise and I found out on the first of April and I basically rang my visa advisor back to say, is this April's fool? Because it's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, no, why would I joke about this? This is basically like, that was just how surprised I was wow. about this thing. Oh my God, I love this. So what was your period of notice at your old work? Was it just a case Nothing. Oh, really? So it's just yes. a case of I'm out? Yeah. Once you got the visa, you're not allowed to work for anyone else anymore. So I was out. Wow. Oh my God. That really is just like diving at the deep end, isn't it? Yeah. Do you remember what did it feel like first day with no, I guess, proper job in inverted commas supporting you? Because I remember when I left my old job, I had a three month notice period to kind of get my head around it. And I didn't prep enough in that three months. I was a bit in denial. And then I remember just sitting at my kitchen table just around the corner from here and just being like, oh my God, this is just me and this laptop now. And it's kind of like <laughs> game on. And I imagine it must have been a bit different for you because there was a business model in place to grow on. Yeah. Again, I think I didn't really take the time to appreciate how far I've come. Mm. And I was like, oh, now I'm out within 24 hours. I had a workshop booked that evening. So I basically went home, got all my stuff, got an Uber to a workshop place, hosted my workshop and literally just got on with it. And I think that's, I wouldn't say that's like one of a bad thing about me, but I think I just get on with things and I kind of celebrate my win within 24 hours. And then the next day I'm like, okay, let's go. What's next? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I should probably listen to my own advice a little bit more of like living in the moment, but I don't know if that's kind of like a challenge for a lot of business owners where we don't really take the time to kind of celebrate our win. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, I can relate to that. I, I'm really interested. You obviously mentioned there that you caught the Uber to the venues. I think, again, finding venues is a challenge in itself. And I want to kind of come on to just generally the bigger challenge in a second. But really quickly, like, how did you go about finding all of these unique spots to run these workshops? Because again, people ask me about the mingles all the time, like, how do you find venues, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, how did you go about doing that? Google. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it does help. Like, honestly, I didn't have any experience. For me, it was like anything I didn't know, I just type onto Google and I got the answer. So I found my first venue typing onto Google and I was living in Putney then. So I found this cute little cafe and I walked to the cafe and met the girl who was working there. And I was like, I love your venue. Can I speak to the owner of this cafe? I would love to host my event here. And then, yeah got my first venue the second venue was I really believe in like the law of attraction and I was thinking about oh I need a bigger venue down in southwest of London and then this venue reached out to me the exhibit in Balham and I didn't even know it existed I booked a call had a meeting with them went to see the space for the first time and I was like wow this is it and we've been working with them since Oh my God, I love stories like that. Like I got goosebumped because 
they were all so nice the staff are so nice they love their job and yeah I feel really lucky to be working with them yeah no definitely and I think it's important though to note because I I love a lot of attraction stuff but I do think it goes hand in hand with the fact that you had done a lot of groundwork and you had started you know and you were actively putting yourself out there and do you know what I mean for that opportunity to kind of come through yeah 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 I caveat it with the fact that you're working hard behind the scenes yeah okay let's move on to just general I guess challenges or just your experience as a business has evolved going full-time you know what was that transition like and I guess what were the main obstacles you've had to kind of confront and face as a business has grown as the business has grown, I needed to, so obviously I had less time to kind of work. So I had to start my first hire and it was great. But obviously the more people that I worked with, I just felt like I needed to up my skill on like how to how to work with other people and how to kind of manage and lead them. I wouldn't say manage, but how to kind of lead them and make sure that we're on the same page. I don't know if you've ever had that challenges in your business, but I think working with people, I found the hardest, but now I feel like I've done all the groundwork and I had to be really straightforward with someone. If if something didn't work out, I'd rather just tell them than trying to play it cool. So I think when I first had to end a contract with someone, that was really hard and I'm still upset about it now, Mm. but but yeah, I think when you're growing a business, you just don't really have time to waste. And most importantly, you don't have the money to kind of waste. So I think having to be really honest with people, I found really hard and challenging, but I knew I had to do it. Yeah, definitely. And it's something that crops up in so many interviews when people do have a team. You said you obviously did a lot of the groundwork there. So was that a case of, again, Googling or did you go on courses? You know, how have you risen to that challenge? Or was it just, I guess, experience as time has gone on? I mean, I've had business mentors. I've had a few business mentors. So I always speak to them about my challenges. I also reach out to my other business friends. I mean, I kind of trust my gut that sometimes it's good to speak about your challenges and be like, okay, I'm struggling with this. What should I do? Or what would you do? So I take a lot of yeah, advice from those guys. Mm, yeah, no, definitely. It definitely helps, doesn't it? Looking back then, I guess over the, like, so you've got a team of what, five now? Yes. Have you got any advice for people that are hiring? Like, how do you go about that process? Because, you know, I think one of the things that kind of crops up is you have this goal that you want a really close team, everyone gets along, you know, everything's going swimmingly, etc, etc. But then there's also a difference, isn't there, between liking someone and who's the right fit for the job. So how have you Mm -hmm. approached that hiring process and making sure that you've got a team around you that you really believe in and trust? Yeah, well, when I found the hosting teams, I had the training program that I came up with in like two weeks because I had a mentor and I was like, okay, I need to start hiring people, three girls. And then she was like, okay, well, next week, show me the training program. And I was like, I haven't done one. And she was like, just do one then. (laughs) Do one. And I was like, okay, Kim, great. (laughs) So I did that. I came up with my own training program. And then we just follow through and, and we just kind of said, okay, let's do this training for this period of time. And if you guys pass this, then I'll trust you to host a workshop without me. And we did it. And I think that was it. But most importantly, people that I choose to work with, they have to have the same belief or a growth mindset. So they would want to learn. 
I think if they don't have a growth mindset, it will be really hard. I don't think we could work together. Mm. Having the same mindset and vision really helps. Yeah, definitely. I think when you meet people, you just know if you're going to click or not. And it is, it's so, so important, those kind of shared values. I want to touch a bit on the, we don't need to go into too many details, but when you realised that someone wasn't the right fit, and you said it obviously wasn't comfortable, how did you go about managing that and like getting advice to handle it in the right way? Or what was that reality like behind the scenes? I think it's, we always have like the trial period. So if we've worked together for a month and it doesn't really get any better because these are freelancers so we haven't like signed a contract yet so it's, it's gonna sound really bad I've just not like drifted off but like it just kind of drifted off drifted apart <laughs> yeah but with my digital team at the moment I don't have any challenges but past challenges is If I've given them a brief and if they keep missing deadlines more than twice, then it's a little bit like, I don't think it's going to work out. So I just had to be really honest. Yeah, that's the reality though sometimes, isn't it? And I think it goes back to the fact that people look at business owners and they look at women like you and think, God, she's lucky, she's living the life, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just, these are all the different challenges that you have to deal with as a boss. Yeah. It's just really refreshing to hear people speak about it sometimes. So thank you. Can you pinpoint worst day on the job so far? Worst day of the job so far? Or the thing that really has tested you? aside from the team the day about the lockdown actually no worst day of the job maybe not the worst day of the job but one of the challenging days of the job was on my birthday in august and i was packing all the terrarium diy kits until half two in the morning and i was just like actually that's not even the worst day the worst day of the job <laughs> it's just so was, many <laughs> no actually the worst day of the job was the first time that i was packing the diy kit And I didn't think it was going to be so time consuming. I did not sleep. So I finished packing at like six, seven in the morning. And the delivery guy came to pick up at eight. So actually I finished just 10 minutes before eight. So I passed it on to him. And yeah, after I finished packing that day, I cried. And I was like, this is not what I sign up for. Mm. What am I doing? This is crazy, you know. And I, I really wasn't sure if like this is for me. But I think it was like the lack of sleep. I mean, I had no sleep, mm. and it was just changing the whole business. And it's just this uncertainty with the lockdown. And I was like, I don't know how how long I can do this for. <laughs> I mean, we're gonna drill down into into lockdown. But just to clarify, then, when was that first time you you had to stay up through the night? What were you packing for? That was in April. That was for the first corporate workshops. So we started offering our classes online because with the lockdown, we can't host any in-person workshop. So I was like, cool. We had this inquiry from this corporate client and I was like, I'm going to make it happen because I'm a go-getter. Let's make it happen. And yes, I was packing 60 boxes and oh my God. I put so much love and attention into it and each box took like 45 minutes or something. Oh my gosh. It's just there's so many little things that goes inside the DIY box. Mm. So I finished at half seven the next day. Right. Okay. Now I completely understand. So they had like little bags of soil. Yeah, they had bags of soils and then in there and then I put it in a 
in a cotton string bag and then lots of shredded paper like tissue paper to kind of wrap to make sure that it's like this delightful experience (laughs) oh my god behind the scene absolute hell no I completely relate I know that we're a lot better now but I remember the first couple of midweek mingles with the goodie bags just the process and how long it took and we've obviously streamlined it in terms of how we pack all the different things that go in there but I can just imagine putting together a box with all of those different elements, which, yeah, take quite a while. Were you you doing the packing yourself? So my first mingles were in London. I obviously don't live in London. So all of the deliveries, and we get boxes and boxes of deliveries because it's about 10 items full size that go into the mingles they all went to my best friend from uni's flat in London so she used to have to take the day off and work from home and be there for the deliveries and then like they just fill up her living room and then I would get the taxi or train in a taxi into London I definitely didn't do that a train into London get the taxi to hers and then we were in her flat and then we stupidly used to pack all the goodie bags at her flat and then we used to get an Uber, jam it full. And then we've got photos where like all these goodie bags just on top. Then we Ubered to the venue. And then the venue for the first two mingles was at the top of a three-story place with no lift. So then we just have to take everything up there. And it's just the most long-winded thing. But now we just leave the boxes as they are. They come to ours. Me and my mum drive to the venues. And then we just pack them all there. And as everyone knows there, and it's like, go, go, go. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, I can so relate to that whole thing. I just wanted it to be right. Let's talk lockdown then. So 23rd of March, we went into lockdown, all of that panic beforehand. And obviously you said April was when these corporate online events started. Mm -hmm. How did it all play out for you? And how did your mindset change, you know, across that period? Yeah, so when the lockdown was announced, our sales basically, yeah, just dropped to zero. And I was like, oh my god I really panicked but then I thought oh maybe it's a good time to like take this some time off you know because I never really stopped and it was something that I couldn't control so I was like oh yeah maybe I can take some time off but then two weeks in we got an inquiry from this corporate client and I was like okay yes we'll make it happen because I couldn't get on a furlough program Mm. because I wasn't running the business longer than three years or something So I was like, okay, I had no choice. I can't get any help from the government. I might as well just go for it. So I made it happen for the clients two weeks in. And then it was all a a private online experience. But they had a really good time. So they were like, why don't you launch this to the public? So that, you know, I can buy it as a gift for my friends and family. And I was like, okay. So I just did that as well. I think we launched, I don't know, like May, like a month after. And these corporate clients kept coming back. So to book with us from yeah, April until August, which I'm so grateful for. Wow. Honestly, they just kept me going. And it's just moments like that, that really, it just helps you going through a tough day. I yeah. Think. There's just so, so much uncertainty this year. I think like it's a testament to you though, as a business owner, for hosting in such a way and putting on such a good show and staying up through the night and going that extra mile so that people have that experience that they then want to support you do you know what I mean because it's so easy to say like oh they kept me going but equally you gave them something to want to come back to because people help people that they like right yeah (laughs) oh you made it sound so nice but yeah you're right we had different online workshops and they booked all of them four of them 
And the fourth one, we put on something special just for them. So yeah, I, I feel like I'm so grateful for this client. It's now helped us launch a new business model. So yeah, in October, we're going to be launching something exciting, a new product. <laughs> just from this chaos <laughs> oh my gosh that's amazing are we allowed to know what it is or is it a surprise it's just new product launch okay oh, yeah there's going to be like lots of new products coming up it'll be really good for all of us to have something to look forward to that's the thing though I think the I did a daily series the we can we will series through lockdown and just the first seven weeks and I remember just thinking at the very beginning like so scary there's so much panic but people will find a way to make this work. That was just a constant, there will be good that comes of this. Yeah. And people will adapt and it will force us to think differently, et cetera, et cetera. And like this time last year, did you ever think that you would be sending all these parcels out and doing that? Do you know what I mean? It's just so weird how things evolve. Yeah, always see the good from the bad. No, absolutely. I mean, we can't deny though that it has been obviously very stressful as well. And like we were saying before the call, just genuinely, I think it's really easy to overlook that and just kind of think that we should have all adapted by now. But actually 2020 fundamentally has been such a testing year for everyone. So Kay, how do you make sure you're looking after yourself throughout all of this? What does downtime look like? How do you make sure you carve it out if you do? And just generally switching off. I just go out in nature and I should spend more time out in nature, but I think sometimes like working to tight deadlines, I just haven't given myself time to fully rest. However, I always make daily learning a priority. So I either listen to a podcast or I read something or I speak to someone and learn something new every day. So that is my way of, I know it sounds really strange, but that is my way of relaxing when I'm learning something. So even if I'm so busy, I'll spend some time listening to you know a podcast. Most of all, it's just going out to nature or like a weekend away in nature. Yeah. I haven't booked my first holiday yet, which I'm so guilty of. And I wanted to book my first holiday in October. But now with the latest government announcement, I don't know if we can even go away. And I think I just don't want to book something and then having to cancel it. So I think I'm just kind of playing it cool and playing it by ear and then trying to do the micro resting over the weekend. Yeah, do you know what I am? Um, again, I just feel like I'm relating to so much of this chat, but my partner and I, I booked, so his birthday was in April and obviously that was like the intense lockdown. And so I booked us a Airbnb in a little fishing town in France for next weekend uh -huh. and I was thinking back then I was like oh it's October this will be fine blah 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 and Airbnb were like 100% refund because of COVID if you have to cancel and then obviously I think last month France went into the kind of it rocketed didn't it so then we cancelled that and then we're thinking like next because I haven't had a holiday in ages as well and we keep being on Airbnb looking for next weekend at just somewhere around the UK but then obviously given what's happening this week we haven't pressed a book yet because it's <laughs> just sort of like we need that break so badly but yeah you just don't know what to do so I think I have a feeling next weekend we might just like grab a tent and just go off and escape and just see what happens but I know what you mean you know that you need to take a holiday but just trying to fit it in and the logistics I know. and I think you can only just plan a holiday like within the next two weeks just yeah. to make sure that nothing is going to change again with what's happening absolutely 
I think we should just make a deal, Kay, that you just book it, make sure that we go and just maybe just do a last minute deal. Yeah. Just find something, but we will go on holiday. Before November. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, deal. I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> no, um, what about like in terms of all relationships around you and stuff? Like how's your social circle changed since launching this business? And have you seen any relationships evolve, you know, for the better, for the worse as you've become busier? Yeah, a lot of sacrifices since mm. I started the business. And I think it's all building up organically because I was working full time as well. So when I had a lot of emails, inquiries, I wanted to make sure that I get back to my inquiries within 48 hours. So I started having to like go to a little cafe and then work over lunch. So that means that I get to hang out less with my colleagues. And I think that was more of like leading towards the end of the second year that I was kind of like ready to quit my job if I got the visa. But yeah, the first year it was so hard because when it was sunny, I was working Saturday and Sunday. So yeah, it's just lots of sacrifices, less time with my friends. But then I was like, I chose to do this. I had to keep going. And when I meet my clients, when I host a workshop, you just get that bus. I don't know about you, you know, like when you host an event, you're just like, oh my God, I've made someone happy and it makes me happy. And that was the only thing that kept me going because I worked so much. But in the second year, when I had lots more work coming through Leafage, I would stay at my full-time job place from like five to eight until they closed down the building and we had to get out. And I was friends with a security guy who would give me a lift to the station because my previous office is the area is a little bit dodgy. So he was like, I'll give you a lift. (laughs) So yeah, I was working so much. But I feel like that's the thing, though, isn't it? This is just sometimes the reality and like you have to sacrifice certain things and be selfish, but for a reason, you know? Yeah. And I think you just don't have time for anyone with drama. So if any friends who don't understand you or your situation, I think you're just so occupied about building your future that you just don't even have time to have that argument so you know you do naturally drift apart from people who don't really align with you Mm. and I think that's for the best really because if people don't understand you and they're not trying to understand you they're not really your friends are they yeah no couldn't agree more and it's why I always broach the subject because I'm really passionate about the fact that you need to be surrounded by people that you enjoy and love being around and they support you and there's never any of that draining energy because there's no room for that no when you run a business so yeah it's why I ask going forward okay obviously you've got your launch in October but in general what's the long-term goal or vision for leafage can you see yourself doing this forever where do you want the business to be five ten years down the line if so yeah I used to think that I could see myself doing leafage forever. However, this year has really thrown me in a lot of uncertainty and worry. So I'm just going to plan each day as it comes. I'll plan like one year. You just don't know what's going to happen next year. Mm -hmm. So I think what's next for leafage is to be able to offer products that people can enjoy and connect with nature at home. They don't have to be at a certain place. So I think that's the next step for us. But in terms of how long it's going to go for, I hope we can go on for a long time. But I just don't know. Yeah. Like, I know it's not really like the answer that you want to Oh my gosh. No, I think it's the honest answer. And it's like totally okay. I think 
there's no harm in it. And I think you can get so caught up in like these long term business plans and strategies. And actually 2020 has just told everyone and shown us that you cannot plan for everything. Mm. And so to just be too rigid in those goals doesn't always go to plan. And there's nothing also wrong with admitting that you don't know if you want to be doing it forever. It doesn't stop the fact that right now you're passionate about it, you know? Yeah, I think like it's really important as time goes by. I just don't want to get the stress when I'm doing something. Like if I'm doing a business or doing something, I want to feel like, oh my God, this is making me happy. So, you know, if something is not working out, it doesn't mean that I fail. It just means that, hey, something needs to change or adapt or evolve. And I want to kind of still be in that mindset of keep changing and adapting. Yeah. And maybe Leafage could grow into something that I haven't expecting it to be. Because really, I didn't think I would be sending out a DIY kit to someone. <laughs> you know, if you ask me like last year, I mean, it's kind of a dream to launch an e-com site, but I never thought that it would force me to kind of launch this. Mm. So I think it's definitely something good from the lockdown. Yeah. I will see what's going to happen next. <laughs> love that. I really love that. I think it's exciting just to be able to watch and see what happens. I always end on some statements, Kay. So I will say the start of a sentence and I'd like you to finish it, please. Number one, being my own boss means. Being able to turn my vision into a reality and inspire others to do the same. Love that. If it's not quite going to plan, my advice would be to... Pause and think what I can learn from my challenges. And then secondly, I would reach out to people who I admire and trust and then get their advice and perspective. I think it's really important to reach out to people and ask for help Mm. when you struggle. Absolutely. If I could describe myself as a businesswoman, I would say that I am. A go-getter. Yeah. However, I'm really honest about the ups and downs of running a business. I really want people to see that I'm like them. I don't have any superpower. I get anxious. Yeah. So yeah, I would say a go-getter and really honest. Yeah, love that. If I could go back to day one of my business, I'd tell myself. Enjoy the journey. You are braver and stronger than you think. I love that so much. And very lastly, I want my legacy to be that. I inspire others to find their life purpose and to empower them to reach their full potential. Oh, perfect. Thank you so, so much. I absolutely love that. Generally, what a story. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to that episode. If you have a minute to spare and enjoyed it, of course, it would mean so much to me if you could please rate the podcast below or leave a review if you fancy being extra kind, as apparently it helps to give the series a little boost and helps other female founders and aspiring business owners to find it. For now, though, enjoy the rest of your day and please do look out for next week's episode. (music) 